This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, I'm Grongi McGuire, and this is Chantelle Fiducci and Pate. Hello. bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. So, Take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the, the way, way they were. Hi, Chantelle. Hi, Grania. How are you? I'm very good, but I feel like um, I'm about to relive uh, one of the most traumatic experiences of my podcasting life. Okay, for our listeners who are unaware of what's about to come, please do fill them in, why don't you? <laughs> okay, so... When we record the episode, I obviously research the couple, which I love doing, and then Chantelle discovers in the moment who the couple is, and then she reacts to it. Here's a little behind the scenes thing. There's always this like, if you can pick up sort of tremble in my voice, because it's when I say the year, I always have this horrible feeling of what if I've got the couple wrong? And she has mentioned this before to me in private, that she's always concerned, her biggest nightmare, she'll one day, while recording, say the year, and the guest will be like, uh, no, that's not right. So what happens, Grania? <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? My personal hell happened with our beautiful guest just looked at me quite quizzically and was like, uh, no, no, it's not that year, it's, it's 100 years before. And then I watched Grania. I've never seen someone age in real time, but I got to watch grey hair sprout. I watched her eye bags appear out of nowhere. Grania has very, very young skin. Suddenly she was like the Wicked Witch of the West. Suddenly she became a different person. It was so awful. It was genuine. It was... And after I was like, oh, cool, my nightmare is happening. He's so gorgeous, that the guest, and he was so gracious. And basically he hosted the episode. We're both kind of, it's like we're the guests and he's the host of the episode. It's a different vibe. But I think because Grania, because this is Grania's mastermind topic, she does know you already had some pre-research. Like you knew quite a lot about this couple. I did, but then it was still afterwards. I was like, I should have brought up this. or And I kept, I couldn't, there's certain people, I couldn't remember the names. Anyway. Uh, well, you know what I'll say, Grant? Welcome to my world. Every <laughs> single week, I'm like, oh God, I forgot to bring up that bit. Welcome, sweetheart. It sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> but thankfully, we had, as our guest, the host of Bad Gaze, which is such an incredible podcast. Pause this, subscribe to Bad Gaze, then come back and listen to the episode. And also the author of the book, Bad Gaze, he is the incredible. And listen, I feel like we did, we served in Nam together after getting through this episode. <laughs> the fabulous... Our partner in the trenches. <laughs> the, the third in our throuple, it is Ben Miller. The, the way, way they, they were. Hi, Ben. Hi. Hi, Ben. Thanks so much for being here. It's so nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. 
you are and you're international you're chatting to us from snowy berlin i'm chatting to you from april snowy berlin um we're in our uh, eighth consecutive month of living inside a dark wet cloud um, <laughs> and i uh but i am not uh, as you may be able to hear german i'm originally from from the u.s uh, oh. but i've been here in berlin now for almost seven years so. Oh my God! Two yappy Americans. That's right. Get ready. Get ready, Grania. It's going to be a long one. <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> I am from the um, Boston metropolitan area. Oh, so, I love Boston. City of Boston, Massachusetts. On on the on the subway. Why do you love Boston? I what only, do you okay, love about I've, Boston? I've only been there once, and I was only there for a very short amount of time. Three, four. That's days. why you love Boston. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, I was in New York for two weeks. Didn't do shit for me, but Boston was just. I thought it was excellent. I just loved it. I loved the people. I loved the architecture. I loved just the vibe of it. I just was really into it. I thought it's a great, great city. Amazing. I mean, I'm glad that you like it. <laughs> maybe, maybe I should never. Me, Boston, I mean, I'll now. For me, Boston. I will me, never Boston go back now. Summed up by this this great Onion headline that says like Boston residents wake up to play yet another game of big city. Like, oh, they yikes. go to their important jobs in their offices. <laughs> like, yep. Uh, yeah. Pretend no, that they matter. Uh, <laughs> the good thing about Boston is it's the one one place that will make you move to uh, Protestant Northern Europe and think, wow, everyone is so warm and kind <laughs> and um, polite well, had... and full of social graces. And uh, yeah, anyway. I'm no, it, is a good place. it is a it is a good place to grow up. It is a very good place to grow up. So oh, I good to hear. I went good. to Boston and I had one of the genuinely one of the gracious days of my life in that I visited the Little Women House in Concord, yes. and I Jenny right, so, just went around silently sobbing the whole time. She's a she's so a bit you went to Concord person. when you got on the our main sort of uh, motorway to get out of Boston towards yeah. Concord. Yeah. When you've been on it for about ten minutes, if you looked to the left and over some trees, you'd see the house I grew up in. Oh, so that's where okay. We were. You're now we're Joe between... March. You're Joe March in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> where I mean, yeah, not quite that far out, but uh, yeah, sure, I'll take it. It's a good compliment. <laughs> So, Ben, we're a very romantic podcast. We believe in a thing called love. Do you consider yourself a romantic? Yes, I think so. Good. Mm. I think so. It's so um, rare we get although, a straight yes. Although I make, I make a career out of being a kind of professional, a professional cynic. For people who don't know, I have a podcast called Bad Gays uh, that I co-host with the brilliant Hugh Lemmy, and we talk about evil and complicated queer people in history and uh, so we don't often actually get a chance to get too lovey-dovey and romantic we often we often do end up finding parts of stories where there's a where there's a lot of really deep kind of uh, a lot of really deep kinds of love and affection mm. oh that's cute well trauma it. trauma can be romantic trauma bonding <laughs> is a thing i mean trauma bonding Nazi stormtroopers bonding <laughs> romantically in the barracks before heading out to beat up communists on the street it is happens. not really romantic, but you know something <laughs> that we sometimes talked about. Uh, and uh, Look, yeah, love um, is crazy. Love's crazy. Love, love is crazy. <laughs> love is blind. Love is sometimes between fascists. No. <laughs> so what's the most? Can you think? What's the most romantic thing that's ever happened to you, or that you've done for somebody else, or what? What? What be your dream? Your version of romance. This is an extremely, extremely nerdy answer. 
But when my partner dedicated his first book to me, I thought that was the most romantic thing that I'd ever heard of. That's oh, not nerdy. Oh that's, my! I think anyone would love that. Oh my! That's universal. God. That is universal. I mean, it's an academic monograph, so I guess that's what makes it nerdy. Um, oh, okay, yeah, okay, that is nerdy, but still, it is nerdy. <laughs> it's still adorable. Still, yeah, that's amazing. Oh and you had no God. idea. Was it a total surprise? No, he told me he was going to do it. But still, oh. okay. And then it was a little bit awkward because then Bad Gays came out right around the same time. And because we also have a book, uh, Bad Gays and Homosexual History, available oh, for order at badgayspod.com slash book or oh, no. for paperback pre-order with free ebooks. Sorry, I have to say that every time I talk about our book, <laughs> Bad Gays and well, Homosexual History, that is our book. Um, but anyway, um, so obviously it's a co-authored book. And so Hugh and I talked about what we were going to do. And we decided that we had to dedicate the book to the people who had introduced us. So Hugh actually helped <gasps> introduce me and my partner, but the two other friends had like made us actually meet and do the show and all this had happened. So I had to then explain to my partner that like, sorry, you get the next one, but like this <laughs> oh one, because this isn't me, like it's us and we can't, and we didn't, it, yeah. And that was, I mean, he took it well, but... There's definitely like, but my, he knows that my next book is for him. Uh, my next book is for him, which is by based on this PhD dissertation that I'm working on at the moment. So also love the um, confidence I'll that you were like there it. will be a next one. Don't worry about <laughs> it. I got I got ten. I mean, I'm working. I mean, I've signed up. I've signed up to. I've, I'm a PhD student, so uh, that means that I've basically been being paid for the past three years to write this book, and uh, uh, soon I will. Uh, become Dr. Miller, and then it will be time to try to get this book out into the world. So, so your, your book about bad gays made you a bad gay? My Basically. book about bad gays made me a bad gay, <laughs> yes. Um, and I, I, I can't guarantee to readers that it will do the same, uh, but you can certainly try your best and hopefully find some inspiration within. By that it's logic, so... Grania, that means our relationships will be over before we know it. So give it a couple of years and we're both single mm. again. Great. Well, listen, um, I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying, speaking of bad gays, uh, let's get into your couple. Okay. Oh, but I, I, I won't get into, but whoa. I can't wait to say who this couple is so I can... Yes, uh, get stuck in. So, okay. <laughs> Chantel, I can tell you that our very bad gay couple, uh, got together in the year of 1981. No, they didn't. Oh, no. I had a horrible feeling. As you joined the call, I said, I wonder have I mixed up the gay couples? And I think I have. I think I've been researching the wrong couple all week. They did. (gasps) Chantel, do you want to take your headphones off for a minute? Do you want to take it? Okay, clarify Abby. what's going on here. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Okay, I'm I'm out. The, the way, way they were. Okay. We're gonna do this one a little bit differently. <laughs> so okay. just for listeners, um, this is a very special episode where Gronia has, <laughs> has just found out on air that she's researched the wrong couple. It so <laughs> It isn't. It happens. But luckily, this is a couple that I have been obsessed with for about 20 years. So okay. with, the, with the help of the fabulous Ben. It's a, it's a two-hander two two <laughs> this week. Yeah, it's a two-hander. This, this one's going to feel slightly different, but I'm confident. But luckily, we have a professional podcaster, so he, he knows how to host yeah. a show. Yeah. So we're so, in safe hands, everybody. So I can tell. So, so the facts about this year 
I'm going to make up. Do I, I know, can tell you. Can I know the this year? This couple got <laughs> okay. together in the year of 1891. Oh, Christ. Okay. <laughs> Let's let you know. That was the year the first time bustles came back into fashion. Okay. It was also the year that trains really took off and yep. that everybody got really excited about this new technology called gaslight. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Ga- who knew that would come back in a different way? <laughs> but I can tell you, although these seemed like the portrait of a perfect couple, it went from dream time to jail time. Okay. Uh, we were all wild about I was this just couple. Say, I was just going to say, it's, it's Oscar Wilde. The portrait bit, I figured Oscar Wilde. <laughs> and also 1891, gay. There's not that many of them around that we know of. <laughs> so I'm going Oscar Wilde. But I can't remember the name of his paramour, even Ugh. though I've, I don't think I've even seen the Stephen Fry film, but I know of whom you speak. <sighs> But I don't, his name is, my brain's empty. So you're going, don't, don't look at me like that. No, you're I'm gonna... not. It's, no, it's not you. It's like, I literally hate this person so much that I cannot oh. even think about him. We're going, that little prick. Oh, it's the okay. only way well, I know of. I hate him so much, but I'm going to try and be balanced. First of all, I balanced. think I know who's going to win this breakup. And <laughs> secondly, well, I can't remember the other guy's so name. So Ben, would you tell like me. This is to one tell of these. This is one of these breakups where I think everyone loses um, okay. a lot, including the world. So we are going to talk about Oscar Wilde and uh, Lord Alfred Douglas, the Alfred extremely Douglas. evil, the extremely evil twink, also known as Bozy. And this is actually the story with which we open the bad gays book, Hugh and I. Uh, so this is something that we, oh, think, we think an extremely important story in the history of homosexuality. Uh, fa- I in mean, foundational, one hundred percent foundational we think it, story. We think it really. We think it really is. Talk so me what, through it. What is it? What? Why, when we asked you to be on this podcast, what was it about this couple, this dynamic, that you find so fascinating? I think it's the fact that when we were thinking about how to start this book and what was the story that kind of best exemplified this idea that it's often more interesting, more instructive, to look at queer history from the side of these evil and complicated and, for lack of a better word, problematic people. Yeah. And what better example of that is there than this couple where on the one side you have this famous, celebrated kind of martyr of the emergent homosexual movement in the early 20th century. And on the other side, you have the evil twink boyfriend, who's the reason why he's in jail, um, who is extremely um, unpleasant to him before, during, and after, Mm -hmm. and who then afterwards um, ends up being openly anti-Semitic and on the far right and dies with basically no one coming to his funeral. Yeah, a little shish. And what do you do when some of the most, some of the conceptual stuff that we associate with Wilde, right? This phrase, the love that dare not speak its name, that phrase originates in a poem by Bozy. Oh. <laughs> he really was a bad gay. Mm-hmm. He, was he was just, a I bad, just, I, bad I, gay. I 
find this couple absolutely fat like genuinely so as a so first of all i have to say i love oscar wilde like and all dramatic irish girls we're all obsessed with oscar wilde we're all like i could have saved if i was friends with oscar wilde i could have talked about it obsessed with it and i just it's like it was it was just it was all his downfall was just boozy egging him on to do increasingly worse and more stupid things and it's just i feel for like oscar Wilde's friends like what must they been thinking like just stay away from them fascinating i um, want to know so, more start at the beginning talk okay me so first of all so because i said i researched the wrong couple but luckily i think that's okay i've got folk memory of this love story <laughs> in my brain so we're te- dealing with two libras Two oh, Libras. I'm glad we've worked. So that's what we, that, well, I was away. This is what we worked out. The important information is their star sign. <laughs> true, true, true. Yes. Okay. I mean, Libra is, what is Libra? Libra is sort of just and even keeled, right? Okay. Which I don't really think describes either of them particularly well. <laughs> yeah, not really. So you, not at all. <laughs> so this is my knowledge of, of Oscar Wilde and Lord Alfred, Lord, if I even will call him Lord Alfred Douglas, uh, before they met each other. So this is so. This is the thing that annoys me about English people is I remember I went to a talk about Oscar Wilde that Stephen Fry was giving, and he started this talk by going, "Not a lot of people know, but but Oscar Wilde's parents were Irish." Guys, I think I ner- a lot of people know uh, that. Uh, I nearly <laughs> stood up and walked out. I was like, uh, hmm. I think you're confusing Oscar Wilde was Irish. Because I think I, this is such a huge part yeah. of his identity was he his his so his parents, he, well, they were all born in Dublin, and his mother was a huge big Republican. She was like a really important sort of figure in Irish politics at the time. Amazing. Super Irish nationalist background and really smart then he went to study at Cambridge and he sort of really embraced the aesthetic movement of you know like your sort of identity being sort of a performance and Mm -hmm. he was super super smart he he put on this performance of oh I don't really study oh I don't really care but he actually was like really studious really hard working and so, sorry, Ben, because you know so much about him, I kind of feel like whenever I look at him, I'm like, yeah, isn't that correct? <laughs> Do you have any more? Can oh, you tell Oxford, us any more he about went to past? Oxford, not Cambridge, sorry. Oxford, okay, okay. Do you have any more information that could lead us to get a fuller picture of Is all my good instincts about Oscar Wilde right, or am I completely deluding myself? Yeah, so Wilde is someone who uh, comes to prominence as a writer in the uh, 1870s, 1880s, and begins publishing travels around North America, giving lectures of this kind of philosophy of aestheticism that you described. In 1881, he marries a very wealthy woman, Constance Lloyd. They have two children. And in the by the late 1880s, early 1890s, he's an extremely successful uh, writer, playwright, newspaper editor, people may know novels like The Picture of Dorian Gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may know plays like The Importance of Being Earnest. They may know plays like his version of Salome, which is extremely um, controversial. There's an operatic version of it. And uh, when it premiered in New York, it almost caused some donors of the Metropolitan Opera to pull their support because it was so, you know, 
20 minutes of Salome rolling around half naked on the stage with a severed head, which sounds fun to me, but you know, it was not so fun for the, sounds for the good moral me. ladies of, and this of was middle all, Manhattan. So by um, 91, he was already quite successful. And not, by 1891, not... he's extremely successful. Okay. Yes. Um, and the thing sure. that other people maybe don't know as much is that he is uh, wild is also an extremely devoted socialist, um, uh-huh. writes uh-huh. the soul of man under socialism is an extremely sort of, uh, political person. In addition to writing this work, that's kind of a, a satire of an upper of the upper classes. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And then it's in 1891 um, that he unfortunately gets introduced to Bosey. Um, okay. And it, what's Bosey's past? Do we know anything about that? Bosey is the kind of awful and petulant son of the inbred English aristocracy. Yeah. Um, okay. Who, Standard. Bosey is someone who is sent off to Oxford. It's actually while Bosey is a 21-year-old undergraduate at Modlin College, which is Wilde's alma mater, that they meet. Um, Bosey was a twink. He was really cute. He was popular. He was athletic. And he was active in a new movement called the Movement of Uranian Poets, like what is, planet Uranus. Um, and this was a poetry movement that idolized intergenerational sexual and intellectual relationships between older and younger men. Yeah. Which in a time when like, it's not precisely pederasty or pedophilia Mm one-to-one, right? When they meet Bosey is 21, Mm -hmm. not 16 or 15. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. But it isn't not that. And it isn't, it's not something that we need to think is great. So Wilde is born in 1854. Um, so Wilde is going to be uh, just under 40 and Bosey's going to be 21. Sure. See, um, this is what I find fascinating about this is, it's like, so Oscar Wilde, he's, 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 he's self-made man in the looser sense, you know, but, you know, he comes from a privileged background, but he did get into university on it. Wasn't it a scholarship or he... It was a scholarship to Oxford, but he was very much, like you said, like a socialist. Was a scholarship to Trinity College. Yeah. And he's very much, my sense of Oscar Wilde is, given his background, he's kind of like a drag queen in a way, in that his whole thing is being the English gentleman is a performance. And yeah. look at me, I'm an outsider, I'm Irish, I don't belong in this world, yet I'm more English than the English themselves. So mm-hmm. he's like such an interesting, fascinating person. Right. So why would he meet Bosey, who's like the archetype, privileged little Nepo baby? Why Why are they? What is that chemistry? Maybe he's well, just so really hot. One th- <laughs> so first of all, if you're into twinks, this is a high quality twink. Yeah. Um, <laughs> secondly, so that's that um, this is this is a concept we've created on the on the bad gays um, show. It's a world historical force that we've identified. It's called evil twink energy. Mm. And Bosey is kind of the exemplar of evil twink energy. But anyway, Bosey is also someone who... So Wilde is married, right, to a, mm-hmm. to a woman. Yep. Um, and Wilde probably doesn't have gay sex until the late 1880s. Okay. And so in 1891, he just has not been Around having... much. Gay sex that much. And then suddenly meets this person who is A, beautiful, who B, sees in him the realization of this kind of Uranian ideal of older and younger 
friendship. And he's yeah. also someone with whom he can have a huge amount of fun. Right? Mm. Bozy is someone who knows where you find the good rent boys. Bozy's someone who knows where you find the good party. Bozy's someone who's really into this kind of growing upper class homosexual subculture that's popping up at the time. And so Wilde, through this, gets access to this world in which he can have a whole lot of fun. This is quite intoxicating for him. Of course. And so yeah. it's this affair that pushes Wilde's homosexuality from sure. the realm of innuendo into this kind of reckless public place. And so Wilde mm. is suddenly drinking with him and partying with him, and they're having these orgies with young working class it's men. It's a sexual awakening. It's a classic this, sexual awakening. It's a complete awakening. sexual awakening. And so you have this public image in which Wilde is this married with children, kind of educated, dapper man, and then you have this private life. and. The conflict um, was growing, and Wilde knew it. So there's a letter that uh, Wilde writes to Bozy after being released from jail, and he writes, It was like feasting with panthers. The danger was half the excitement. I used to feel as the snake charmer must feel when he lures the cobra. They were to me the brightest of gilded snakes. Their poison was part of their perfection. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So... I'm your inner dream monologue, and you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Bozy is the son of this particularly noxious shit known as the uh, Marquess of Queensbury, Mm -hmm. who was, he was the creator of the modern rules of boxing, uh, just to give you a sense of who, who this man is. And so Queensbury has a problem. One of his sons, uh, the Francis Viscount Drumlanrig, has just died in a suspicious hunting accident, okay. um, which rumors that were spreading around linked to the fact that he was having a secret gay relationship with the Prime Minister, uh, Archibald Primrose, the Earl of Rosebery, and had oh, actually killed good. himself because of that. Oh, my God. And so then he looks at his next son and heir and, and sees this... Bozy, who's mm-hmm. like running around the twinkest of the twinks with, yeah. with, with Oscar Wilde bottoming for anything that will move. And so, and going to Tunisia and like oh, for days. making a terrible impression on Andre Gide, who is no great shakes himself and mm-hmm. just, you know, all of, and, and very, very not. I mean, this is not an age where we have the kind of media culture that we have now, right? This sure. is an age where yeah, people can't bit. see you coming out of the bar and take a picture. Yeah. But there's definitely rumors, um, mm-hmm. and people who know know, right? And yeah. so this is definitely something being talked about. And so Queensbury is furious 
the Importance of Being Earnest premieres in uh, early 1895, and um, the Marquess... Uh, decides to go and throw rotten vegetables, but Wilde gets wind of it and stops him from attending. Oh, my God. But, but then... That's great. Queensbury goes to Wilde's club uh-huh. and leaves him a calling card. Mm-hmm. And what the calling card says is... Stay the way from um, my son. <laughs> no, the calling card says, for Oscar Wilde posing sodomite. Um, but he misspells it, so he actually writes somdomite. Shut up. Oh, that's yes. brilliant. Oh, that's great. Som- somdomite. Pos- posing somdomite. somdomite. Um, are you, is you, are you, have you or a loved one been affected by posing somdomites? <laughs> Call Honestly, how is, how is posing somdomite not been, a, not been a drag queen name? It has to be. Exactly. <laughs> Please so welcome good. to the stage. Miss posing somdomite. So, now here's where we get the problem. Wild could have left well enough alone. I mean, who knows how long this would have lasted. It wasn't his friends. His friends were saying, Bosie is trouble, don't do anything. Weren't his his friends friends like... His friends said, Bosie is trouble, don't do anything. But Bosie said... Four years. Bosie says... It's now been four years. Bosie says, I hate daddy, you should sue daddy. Of course. Classic, classic twink move. (laughs) You should sue daddy because I hate daddy and you should sue daddy for libel. The problem is... Libel is about something that isn't true. So uh, the Marquess of uh, Queensbury is able to prove that Wilde is a sodomite. And Mm -hmm. then there is a criminal trial. And in the criminal trial, Wilde is found guilty and sentenced to hard labor. There's so many things I find so frustrating. And and it's just, I just think about like, because I just find Oscar Wilde so fascinating. And, you know, he's this little Irish boy in London trying to live his best life. He's got all this pressure. He's so, you know, he's such, he's so famous. He's got this sort of public persona. Then he's got this private life. There's more tension between this. I think that's right. that's and, why and he's so, making all these reckless choices. And so Wilde gets up on the stand and defends homosexual desire during the trial. He says uh-huh. this very famous quote, it is in this century misunderstood so much it misunderstood that it may be described as the love that dare not speak its name and it is on that account of it I am placed where I am now. It is beautiful. It is fine. It is the noblest form of affection. There is nothing unnatural about it. But again, that phrase, the love that dare not speak its name, which we all think of as being mm-hmm. wilds, is actually came Bozy. from a, is a quote in the speech it's a it's in quotes and it's a quote from a poem by bosey called two loves can i ask a quick question as well what's happening with his wife is she aware is she a cool beard is she not that down with it? does she divorce him is she just pissed off do we know has she just been forgotten by history no. his kids it's so sad it's so sad so she was really heartbroken really upset because at the time it was like homosexuality was seen as this sort of like really the upper classes were really like perverting the honest working class men and it was seen as this really shameful thing. So then she had to leave the country, she had to change her name and then Oscar, like he loved his kids and he was such a good father. And then I think after this trial, does he does he ever see them again? I don't think he does. No. Oh, so that's it. She leaves the country with the kids. But she was, she, she, they go to Switzerland. She goes to Switzerland. And she, like, she still worries about him and she still writes to him and she still, like, really, really cares. And he really loves her and he still really, really cares about her. Mm. But it's, it's, 
Yeah, it's just absolutely, it's just, it's tragic. But she's, it's not that sad, she's fine, right? She's not, well, I thought you meant like, the, no, no, because then she, she, she does die because she's got what they think might have been multiple sclerosis and then she dies quite a, just. Oh, these she, kids. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then Wild Sons, one of them dies in the First World War, and one of uh-huh. them survives the First World War. Vivian Holland becomes an author and, and works at the BBC and some other places. Oh, that's cool. Okay. But so, so Oscar, he's sentenced to two years of hard labour. He Does he carry, do him and Boozy, do they carry on writing to each other while he's in prison? or ha- They do. So Wilde, so the, this, this famous uh, work of Oscar Wilde's De Profundis, this letter from jail, is actually a letter to Boozy. So he's sticking by his man. Okay. <laughs> All right, Oscar. He's, uh, t- <laughs> Tammy Wynette standing by his man. And uh, then Wilde gets out two years later in 1897. So he's now the two of them reunite. Uh, first, they reunite in uh, Rouen in France. And uh-huh. again, both of their families and all of their friends are like, no, and they yeah. try and make a good try of it. And then they live together in Naples for a while. And then after a few months, they break up. And so Wilde spends the rest of his life in Paris. Paris was a fairly common destination at this time for men from the UK who wanted to have gay sex without so being arrested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't uh, last very much longer. Um, mm-hmm. This is a really uh, difficult, extremely, extremely difficult moment uh, for Wilde. Wilde wants to be received he tries to be received into the catholic church uh wilde takes the name sebastian melmoth he writes the ballad of reading jail mm-hmm. um he lives in a kind of cheap hotel and he drinks uh and he develops meningitis and he dies in uh, 1900 mm. and he said he died i think it was like an ear infection that he said he got from a blow while he was in prison and that's i think yeah, what he he died from. So how long after the split are we talking? A couple of years at best, it sounds Two like? Two years. Yeah. Two so, years. Nine, three years. 1900. So yeah. this really was, this really was the end of, this really was what did it to him. This did him in. This relationship was the end of him. One could easily argue, I can see. And do you think... Yes. However, however, the other side of the story... Yes, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Is what happened to Bosey. That and, was my next uh, question. Bosey did not die in. Bosey did not die in 1900. Bosey lived a good long time. Um, so the rich so always Bose, do. <laughs> who's the one who sets the trial in motion? Who coins the term "the yeah. love that speaks does not speak its name," etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Bosey, after the breakup and Wilde's death, Bosey marries this bisexual poet named Olive Custins. Their marriage goes downhill. Bosey then also converts to Catholicism. And begins uh, espousing increasing anti-Semitism. He repudiates Wilde. He condemns Wilde. He condemns Mm -hmm. Wilde's work. He condemns homosexuality. He writes a poem calling Margot Asquith one bound with lesbian fillets. He refers to Wilde as, quote, the greatest force for evil that has appeared in Europe during the last 350 years. He says that he regrets having helped him translate Salome into French. He calls Salome, quote, a most pernicious and abominable piece of work. He founds in 1920 an anti-Semitic weekly magazine called Plain English. He write the magazine writes that, quote, we need a Ku Klux Klan. 
in the UK. Um, wow. He he's just really going for it. He's just goes one extreme to everyone. the other. He's he's consistent. Yeah. He he, he uh, when he leaves Plain English, he founds another magazine called Plain Speech, which praises uh, Hitler and what he calls the go. German White Labour Party. And so what? So and then he go. dies at, at an old age, having lived a rich and varied life. One could argue. <laughs> well, so he then accused. Like at one point, he accuses Winston Churchill of being involved in a Jewish conspiracy to undermine the war effort. Oh my okay. God. Churchill sues and wins, and and Bosey just sort of loses friends and loses friends and loses friends and loses friends. And weirdly, he maintains a friendship with George Bernard Shaw, and they're still sort of writing each other, uh, which I find really weird. Um, He does still make some appearances. like he, He gives a lecture in 1943 called The Principles of Poetry at the Royal Society of Literature. Um, but he basically dies um, of congestive heart failure at 74 in 1945, and his okay. funeral is uh, has only uh, two two people are in attendance at Bosie's funeral. Yikes, that's a record. And Wowzer, think, okay. Because when Oscar died, obviously, you know, his reputation was, you know, so damaged. Do you, was there like a period where, you know, in Bosie's life where, you know, considering all the, you know, awful things he was doing and um, where people started sort of reframing their views on the two of them was did did Bosie live long enough to be like finally to for, for Oscar's reputation to be rehabilitated? I don't know about whether he lived long enough for Oscar's position to be rehabilitated. I certainly think that he lived through, I mean, he would have taken, if not the same reputational hit, because he wasn't as famous, yeah. he's definitely yeah. also being kind of dragged through in this scandal. I mean, his poetry is being used as evidence in Wilde's trials. It's really, you know, I'm not trying to awaken sympathy for Bosey, but it can't be particularly easy for him either. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like not to, not to again... Or maybe to awaken sympathy for Bosie. It does sound like this is a lot of very self-loathing, self-hating issues that then sprout off into this extreme, extreme... Obviously, there's no way of us knowing that. But considering what he once was to what he became, that seems a pretty elementary, basic view to imagine inside his head wasn't a particularly happy place to be. Do you know what I mean? That feels like he's filled a lot of self-hate. you understand after the after he loses everything and after then it doesn't work out yeah. with with Wild, you yeah. understand why he would would want to reject that Precis- somehow. Exactly, um, yeah. If could you reject it without becoming like a raging anti Semite, I would suggest yeah. yes. <laughs> but, Is that a sign of a really yeah. bad breakup? Like a really bad breakup. Do you think do you think Boosie did they must have loved each other because, like, uh, Oscar was like, what was going through? Because Oscar was such, you know, is it a sense of somebody can be really intelligent, really sophisticated, but just have really, really bad taste in partners? Or do you think there was just something when the two of them were together that only each other saw? I mean, what I think is really interesting is that it, it, if if Bosie was this fabulously compelling. Mm-hmm person right one of these people who contains the seeds of evil but is not only pretty to look at but also like just fabulously compelling and interesting and and fascinating and and funny and witty and whatever someone else would have noticed this but 
Yeah. I was looking very good for, point. Yeah. For, I was looking once through through some writing by Andre Gide through Gide's memoir, and Gide meets Wild and Bozy when they're traveling in North Africa, and <laughs> Gide is just like doesn't get it. <laughs> at first, I saw him and was like, "Oh, he's really hot," and then. I spoke to him for five minutes and was like, oh, my God, how does anyone stand this man? Really? Oh. So everyone so else was go. like, this guy's immediately a dick. So it was a just... A lot of people, yeah. It was many, many people were, yeah. <laughs> was wow, it that, so it that, was just something with like Oscar. Was it that Oscar had spent so much time maybe in the closet and yeah. maybe this was like the first person, the first, you know, that you know they had this these feelings for and then they were just but they had he had no other relationship because he didn't he have like a best friend who he actually lost his virginity to who was really really nice to him he actually was a really good friend to oscar and was really kind to him but he just was like no sorry i love bozy you know the heart wants what the heart wants and if you're this sort of outsider if you're this outsider figure people often want what they want what they aren't or what they can't have or what they wish they were um yeah you know he was and maybe the confidence that Bozy, by the sounds of it, had when he was 21 and the kind of the ability at 21 to go to all these parties and mm. be with all these different people and all these orgies and stuff. There must have been some element of, well, definitely was an element of Oscar sort of living through that, like having to wait till his 40s to do it, but being mm. like, oh, God, this, I, I've never right. had that. And this guy's amazing. And he's was, so confident. He doesn't care. And I wish right. I had that. And listen, I'm sure it was fun. Yeah. yeah. And it was so much fun. Completely. It's like so, sort of saying, it does sound, I know the phrase intoxicating is used a lot, but there's a reason the word tox is toxic, isn't that? Mm-hmm. And it is similar to sort of seeing that, oh, why would someone smart, you know, get onto heroin? It's like, well, these things just happen. And at first, the drugs are fun. And similarly, this guy was a bit like a bad drug. You know, at first, everything's yeah. great and fun, and you kind of ignore all the red flags. This guy was a total dick but oh. it's quite surprising that even though he was going to all the parties and having all the amazing things that as you say no one else was really as charmed by him as Oscar and it seems pretty obvious the only reason he was going to all these parties and getting the invite is because he came from money yeah. and he was in the right society and you just invited him along no well, one, it's also, it doesn't seem like a, no one really liked to, who could you afford to pay to be entertained by yeah I mean mm-hmm. and this is something that we talk about in the show and in the book a lot we have a chapter in the book um, about Jack Saul, who's another dapper, charming, pretty Irishman who comes to London. Uh, Jack Saul comes to London not to make a success as a writer, but to to work as a sex worker um, and ends up writing. Well, he maybe he writes this memoir or maybe this work of literary pornography is written as if it were his memoir in order to capitalize on his fame. But either okay. way, whoever wrote this memoir definitely knew a lot about subcultures of gay sex in Victorian London. Uh-huh. And so Jack Saul is born around the same time as Oscar Wilde. He's born in 1857. And he's in London. And he is, like, working at all of these brothels and part oh, of this wow. crazy subculture uh, where there's all of these different kind of scandals and, yeah. and legal cases uh, that are taking place, of which of which Wilde's is one. So there's this famous trial where uh, Fanny and Stella, Fanny Bolton and Stella Park, who are two kind of maybe gay men, maybe trans femme actors, actresses, are arrested for gross indecency, are arrested for, sorry, not gross indecency, they're arrested for sodomy. And they get Uh off because at this time, what you get arrested for is sodomy. And in order to convict someone for sodomy, um, which carries the death penalty, but you have to prove that anal intercourse occurred 
Uh-huh. And the ejaculation occurred during your anal intercourse. Okay. And this is not the easiest thing to prove in the world. I was just going to ask, yeah. in the Victorian era, how were they In the era this? out of video. So very few people, and this is, you know, this sort of infamous thing that Naomi Wolf didn't realize, and she went in a whole book tour claiming there were executions for sodomy through the Victorian era. There weren't. Almost no one is convicted for this in the, in the because especially of that. by the end of the right. 19th century. Yes, because of that. Great Because it's so, it's hard to prove. And so... There's this scandal of, of Bolton and Park getting off, and there is this kind of subculture of sex, and there's all of these scandals. There's this Fleet Street scandal in which Lord Arthur Clinton ends up dying of scarlet fever before being taken in in connection with this kind of gay sex work thing. And people think that he actually ran away, but no, he actually did seemingly die. And oh, wow. So all of these things are going on, and uh-huh. there's this change to the uh, English laws that takes place in the liberal MP Henry Labouchere introduces an amendment to the bill which changes the crime of buggery from a crime to gross indecency between two men. I see. Okay. And gross which carries indecency, a lesser sentence? Gross indecency carries a lesser sentence. It's up to two years with or without hard labor. But gross indecency has no definition. So gross indecency could oh, that's be interesting. fucking, but gross indecency could also be flirting, could be holding hands, it Talking could be being understood, way. it could be have understood to, yeah, so any kind of, so this is where anything, yeah. you get this huge kind of explosion of prosecutions, and it is gross indecency that Wild gets, I that Wilde gets. So it's almost like they became aware of this loophole and thought, we got these gays are getting away Mm. with it. Let's make a way so that we can just say, oh, those guys look a bit like pansies. They're gay. They're going down. Because it is theoretically going from death penalty to two years of hard labor, labor, you can Mm -hmm. be a liberal and you can say that you're trying to be nice. Exactly. So which is how so many many reforms of the criminal justice system work. Yeah. And this is where at the moment now with peak imperialism, so our lovely gross indecency law gets written into penal codes across the British Empire. And so it remains. This is the same text. This is the text that that is currently in effect in Singapore. This is the text that is in effect in Kenya. This is the text that remains in effect in any British colony which adopted the British legal book and didn't take it out with some further I point. see, I see. Well, as per usual, the fish rots from the head down. So, yeah, and this has mm-hmm. tentacles going everywhere. That's amazing. Oh, wow. Sneaky and so you shit. have this climate, you have this climate of these trials, which then, and of this kind of sexual subculture, which then produces Bozy and then also produces the Still, the stuff we learn today, that, yeah. Yeah. God, that's amazing. That's fascinating stuff. Jeez. I, I Who do think, you think won the breakup? Well, well, before we get, before we get, before we get to that, because I think I genuinely, I think about, you know, I, I think about Oscar Wilde so much. I really do. And if you could, like, if, if through some sort of technology, right, we've got a phone here and you could speak to Oscar Wilde, never mind Bozy, you could spend, you could speak to Oscar Wilde. What would you, what do you wish you could say or one of his friends? could say to him what do you wish somebody had said everyone tried to tell him not (laughs) to sue (laughs) like i would love to tell him not to sue but you know i don't know if he would uh, believe me just go on holidays oscar go to america see somebody else go back to ireland visit your mother him not i just don't sue really i'm not gonna you know don't sue that's the big one don't sue. Well, so... Don't sue. 
That's my. That's my. Because like, I think no, I, but do he not, really hates his dad. Do no, but don't not, sue. Nobody do really doesn't like his dad. Not, don't sue. <laughs> do not open a public when you are doing something that is in violation of this gross indecency law and someone accuses you of violating it do not invite a court of law and investigators to open up this can of worms was there can i ask you a question as an as sort of an expert on this was there an element of him doing that that which seems very reckless and kind of for lack of a better word is dumb to us looking back on it do you believe there was some element of him being like, I kind of want this fucking out there. Fuck it. If I do this, I know that everyone will know and it'll be an awful way to maybe I mean, expose. But part of me knows? wants to be. Do you think there's an element of that? Of him kind knows? of wanting to be exposed? Who knows? I don't know about wanting to be exposed, but who knows? I mean, I think there is this is a pattern of escalating self-destructive behavior. I was just going to say right? self-sabotage. Yeah. And so th- there's definitely something of of that. Yeah. Oh, from, from what I read of the trials as well, oh god, it's so it's it makes me cringe so much. It's so bad, as in like, what are you playing at Oscar? But apparently, he didn't take because he was so charming and he was so famous and everybody loved him. From what I read, he just didn't take it seriously, and he went oh, in and he was giving evidence when he was suing Bozy's dad, and he kind of was like being a bit like flirtatious and not kind of taking it seriously, and kind of like wink, wink, nod, nod. Maybe I'm gay, maybe I'm not. And the judge was kind of like, "Hang on, what?" Right. And so then there was an element of celebrity thinking, "I'll yeah. get this one. I won't go to jail. I'm yeah. too famous." Or is that maybe a bit well, just of like oh. I don't know what he, you know, he'd been so celebrated, and then it was only when he was in the witness stand and he suddenly realized uh oh this Shit. nobody's finding this charming and the <laughs> no judge is laughing. like hang on a sec can you repeat what you just said and then it was too late oh god yikes this which is, is just like night it's just absolute like talk about being hung by your own petard and also it's so like heartbreaking to think that he never actually by the sounds of it had any other like relationships homosexual relationships that we're aware of that, that was it that was his whole I mean I know he said he went to orgies and may have had sex with several got fine but yeah. this was his only idea of gay love was this <laughs> this is so horrible do you know what I mean that's like of all this is of all the people like this wonderful wonderful amazing man this yeah. was all he died thinking well that's love that's just awful <laughs> well so now we <laughs> Um, I can't imagine who's going to win this one. <laughs> okay, so, Ben, we come to the question this pug is based around. In every split... Oh, sorry, can we just say... We have not just asked this question. <laughs> Do you think there's a reason why it didn't work out between Oscar and Boozy? <laughs> I can think of one or two. Why didn't they make it work? Why didn't it work out? Um, you know... Um, uh, let's. I think we can. I think we've already answered that one. Um, in terms of who won the breakup, I think yeah. this is one of these events that we can say where everyone lost. Everyone Wild did lost. Bozy lost. The world lost. Yes. It, no. No one won this breakup. This is just terrible for everyone. I think no history has vindicated Wild. History yeah. has vindicated Oscar Wilde. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Um, I think we have and to history say Oscar. Has not, has, yeah. But to say he won this breakup is not. I mean, everyone lost. He he did not thrive of the breakup, but posthumously, he has thrived above and beyond. Above yeah. So, 
we have to at least acknowledge that. <laughs> wasn't much good for him, but, but it's been great for us. He's done really well. What do you think? Yeah. What, is the, what is the lesson we can learn from this breakup so that it's not all sad? What can we as a culture take? Two words. <laughs> Don't sue. <laughs> That's the lesson. <laughs> Don't sue. Uh, beware of beware evil of twinks. Uh, evil twinks. I was going to say beware of twinks bearing gifts, but it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> beware of beware of evil twinks. Yeah, we'll yeah, say twinks that. Yeah, twinks bearing gifts. That could just be their love language, Ben. Let yeah. them have that. But the evil twinks exactly. bearing evil gifts. Yeah. Evil, t- twink. evil twinks, twinks with daddy issues. Stay away. <laughs> twinks with daddy issues. Yes. Keep um, a wide berth. Rich twinks. There's a lot here, but yeah, there's a lot of them around. Rich twinks with daddy issues. There's a lot of those in the streets of New York alone. Just watch out. And so we have one oh final one final question before we release you into the, the snowy streets of Berlin. It'll, um, kind, of, it'll kind of up uplift us from this from this quite bleak, bleak love story, if we can call it okay. that. Um, we have one final question where um, we're asking you as our guest, Ben, to put your thinking cap on. Because there's a woman out there who is the patron saint of our podcast. We still think she has not found someone to truly love her the way she needs to be loved. Put your thinking cap on, Ben. Can you think of someone out there who is up to being with the one, the only, Cher? Oh. Hold your gut. It's a toughie. <laughs> you have to go with your bones. You know, by way of answering this question, okay. I am going to relay a conversation that Hugh and I had with each other. On I'm listening. the bad gaze. It was sometime we were traveling together for bad gaze, and they made for the book or something. Uh-huh. He was talking about a friend of his who was having relationship trouble and said a straight woman. And, and he turned to me and said a chilling sentence. He said, Ben, how many dateable straight men have you ever met? And I, oh, I issued Jesus. long, oh. long, long silence followed. And I was like, maybe two, like maybe three <laughs> of the hundreds. Yeah. And so. I'm going to name for Cher someone who is also kind of not on her level because no one's on her level, but like, I think somehow weirdly in this kind of permanent performance place could be a lot of fun. Uh Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, I cannot believe we haven't had her before. I cannot believe oh. you haven't had her before. That is perfect. And that, I mean, if Cher ever passes, well, I don't think Cher will ever die. She's like cockroaches. But if she ever did, I think the next person to replace her would be Jennifer Coolidge, if for yeah. our question. That is perfect. That is fantastic. Those two think, voices. Oh, my God. The sure, impressions people would do of this couple. Cher would be the butch one. And she kind of would like, because Jennifer maybe could get a bit like flustered and like would be a lot... And and sure would very much Should like I bring her down. Yeah, but Jen, oh, I think that's yes. that is a great oh, merging gorgeous. of energies as well. I think that like gay internet would explode if that happened. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it would survive. If that if those two got together, no, not the internet. That if those two got together, all of the world's gay men would. <laughs> Mike start White would be on the phone so fast about the next season of White Lotus. An extremely, <laughs> an extremely high speed. And then together we would collectively elevate and enter lower Earth orbit. And just start sort of spinning. There would just be iced coffee flying. <laughs> Oh my I don't know if I can handle it. Oh <laughs> my god. 
Oh, that is a. Br- I cannot believe you've never had that answer before. That's a brilliant. You know brilliant who would be choice, very though. happy. You know, would be very happy if they those two got together. Oscar Wilde. Just calling it. He would. He would He'd love it. He would have loved those two together. <laughs> He'd be like, he it would was have all those worth two together. it. And actually, I'm now suddenly are making me wonder about Jennifer Coolidge as an extremely different kind of Lady Bracknell. Um, <laughs> I think you need the accent for it, but anyway. A handbag? <laughs> a, a handbag? <laughs> oh, honey. Oh, great losing, choice. Losing two parents. That's just carelessness. <laughs> <laughs> Losing Fabulous. one parent looks like it looks like misfortune. Losing two begins to look like carelessness. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. he'd like that. I don't. He uh, now I feel happy about Oscar. Maybe uh, as the Irish person, I'm saying I've got a psychic connection to him. He's he's now at peace just with that image alone. <laughs> Good. And, I'm glad. Ben, thank you so, so much for being on our podcast. Thank you so, so much. Thank this you. Has been... well, thank you for thank hosting you so our podcast. For having me. <laughs> thank, was... you so, thank you so much for having me. Um, can I plug some stuff? Oh, well, we were just yes, going to ask please. you where we're our listeners you... find more okay. to... So if what you, you like the sound of my voice um, mm-hmm. and you want to hear my voice a bit, but you also want to hear Hugh Lemmy's voice, which is a wonderful voice from the very, very far north of England, and you're interested in topics like evil twinks, you can listen to Bad Gaze, which is available on whatever podcast player you are using to listen to this show. Um, we are in our sixth season right oh, now. Um, wow. I'm not sure exactly when this is coming out, but that means there are many, many episodes for you to mm-hmm. dive back into when we have new fresh ones coming out right now. And then, as I already mentioned, uh, our book, Bad Gaze, A Homosexual History, is out now in hardcover and is available for pre-order in paperback. And you can find out more about that and if and when we are coming to do a book event near you at badgazepod.com slash book. And if you pre-order the uh, paperback from the publisher, you will get a free ebook to read right away and the paperback will come soon. So that's my pitching and my plugging and that that's badgazepod.com slash well book. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Writes Things, and the show Bad Gaze is on Twitter at Bad Gaze Pod. I cannot recommend Bad Gaze, the podcast, highly enough. It's so brilliant. It's so, it's my go-to podcast. It's really, really good. So uh, as soon as you've finished listening to this one, do subscribe. You I mean, are in, in for ways, a treat. I feel, like, I feel like you've given our listeners, because you essentially hosted this episode, that was basically a sneak peek, I think, into an episode of Bad Gays. So if you enjoy this episode, <laughs> oh, I think you might I did love say, the in my defense, I did say to Abby, when I when we she texted me this couple, I did say, oh my god, this that is like the one couple I could probably do from memory. So if any of those words, <laughs> just fucking hate Bozy. What can I say? Thank you so much, Ben. That was utterly Thank you so much, really Ben. Thank, Thank you so you. much for having Thank me. Thank you. Thank you. The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush. So email us on thewaytheywerepod at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter at thewaytheywerepod and or on Instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. Thanks to you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. The The way they were. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.